You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. If you'd like to get a free copy, just send a text to 33444 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 33444. Let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is David Quick. And David is a recovering bull in the china shop who knows how to use his passion to help business leaders and their teams thrive. He's a three-time CEO of a rapid growth organization. David now helps leaders thrive by sharpening their focus on vision, values, expectation, and engagement. David puts executive coaching, live events, key presentations, and group sessions all to work to help create powerful herds of high-performing bulls. His no BS communication style speaks to highly performing leaders of all levels. So I want to welcome David to the show. Dennis, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate you having me on your show and the ability to share with you and your audience. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate you being here. And automatically, we had something in common. You know, you've been involved with Vistage, which is the world's largest CEO group for many, many years. I was a member of that group or a, a one of those groups for about six years. And we kind of were chatting before the call here and our experiences there. And it was an amazing one for me. For those of you that don't know, I joined Vistage. I was a member for six years and took my company from 12 million eventually to 80 million in sales and then sold that business. And, you know, David's been involved in very similar things. So we automatically had that in common. So David has a very diverse and interesting background. How long have you been involved with Vistage, David? Just over six years now. Just over six years. So today we're going to talk about how to hire the right person for the right seat. And you can imagine, because this is growth experts, if you're going to grow a successful business, you are obviously going to have to hire, right? You can't wear all the hats forever. You're going to have to hire. And so David has some hands-on expertise when it comes to this. But before we dive into that, what I'd like David to do, if he could, is just kind of give us a one or two minute intro to kind of how he got to this point, and then we'll dive into the meat and potatoes. Well, Dennis, thanks again. Clearly from kind of my backstory, it all starts with probably an early attraction to coaching. So at my heart, always a coach. That started in middle school, high school, both giving coaching lessons around music and sports, and then all kinds of amateur sports coaching back after a long career, both in the military and the, I'll call it corporate ladder, kind of traditional stuff in and out of startup, large companies come back to this coaching desire. So in the midst of there, a master's degree in education, hey, should I teach math and be a high school coach? But in the end, ran companies for a long time, did that both small startup, large Fortune 500, and in the end came back and said, hey, I'm most satisfied when I'm coaching. And that's led us to a, a bunch of different mechanisms in which we, we help people thrive name of our company, Help, Helping Bulls Thrive in China Shops, is first and foremost executive coaching, 
organizational coaching, and we really focus on can we help business executives thrive? And we do that through individual group hiring coaching, sales training and coaching, and even launching a new mastermind for couples working together. So, but we've done for the last six years a bunch of work helping people hire more effectively using both personality assessment and a robust process and love that work. Perfect. So when did you make the entrepreneurial flip? When did you switch? Because you were a corporate guy, you were in the military, corporate, there was a lot there. When did you make that switch? Was it about six years ago? No. So if I, if I look at the long history uh, started there, I started working at 12 in my grandparents' retail stores. Closing chapter of that is I bought that online business that survived about five years ago, ran it, sold it for a couple of years, but have had entrepreneurial stuff throughout where even in the big corporate Navy, then other big companies inside of Roche Diagnostics, for example, they were doing something called venturing. They were looking for people to go start new business and have always been attracted to that. That's probably the best way to do entrepreneurial stuff is have a big Mother Roche to back all your things. They did this venturing process where for 60, 90 days at a time, they would fund an idea and say, hey, go run with it and then come back and get more money. But that was uh, kind of the early start in the corporate world, but have done a bunch of stuff throughout my career that moved back and forth from small company, large company. And for about the last 10 years have said, hey, I'm just going to have my own shingle form a small coaching consulting and sales training company that has included this hiring. So it's been 10 years since I've been on my own. Well, so your business comprised mainly of coaching, consulting and training, sales training, right? Correct. Perfect. And, so, the, and, this, and this hiring piece. And the hiring piece, right? Which is probably a coaching and consulting piece as a part of that. Here's my question. I want to get a little bit micro into your business before we dive into the topic, because I'm always curious if you've had a, biz, a coaching and executive business for 10 years, it means you're, you're doing well, you're building a business, you're, you know, you've got a real thriving business there. So my question to you, and that I think my audience would find really interesting is, what is the number one strategy that you're using today to get new clients for your business? It will sound canned. It is deliver a great experience every time you go work. And really be focused on, am I helping the business executive I'm working with thrive? So it comes from the premise, how do I think deeper? How do I question? How do I really look and say, what does thriving mean to this individual? And am I helping them move that way? So that's first and foremost. And then when you do that, it's remarkable how other people will pass you along to others because you've had an impact on their life. So typically, you get a lot of referrals from happy and satisfied clients. That's the, probably the number one source for you. And that's probably not unusual for coaches. You know, I'm assuming that's probably a primary resource for most coaches. Absolutely. Yeah, perfect. Okay, great. All right. But then we've done other tactical things, speaking, Vistage speaking, you know, the, the typical web lead, website, email list. I mean, the, the, if you look at kind of the usual suspects, we do and have done it all. So outside of referrals, now that you've opened that can of worms, outside of referrals, what would be another go-to strategy that you would use if, you know, for getting new clients for your own business outside of referrals? So by far the most successful in terms of time, energy spend has been speaking. Speaking. That has been inside Vistage groups, other small business owner groups, local chapters of business entities. 
and then now podcasting. So it's been a, a remarkable lead magnet that says you're able to do that. And the beautiful part about speaking is you're talking to the decision maker. So if you can find that audience and get there, you're not having to do all the, how do I get there, do that. And you know, things like Vistage speaking, you get three hours with 18 business owners. Yeah. I was always curious of that, how well that converted as a member of Vistage. You know, most people don't realize, but they have Vistage has resource speakers that the chairs have the ability to bring in and there's a diverse topics and backgrounds. And, you know, they do a three or four hour presentation in front of CEOs, right? Which is the ideal audience for most of these people. And I was always curious how well that converts. Was that a really valuable tool for you in building your coaching business? It has been now. So from an executive coaching, not so strong, but the other stuff we do, it's been remarkable. And the reason is for that most Vistage groups, coaching is included. So almost don't bring it up in those speaking sessions, Dennis. But for the rest of our stuff, it's an audience in which if you share the expertise and you build some trust, which is easy to do in that three to four hours, almost always you get leads back from those speaking sessions. Perfect. All right. Well, listen, we're going to dive in here because today I was really interested in having you on the show. And the one of the biggest reasons was because of this whole process and strategy that you have behind hiring the right person for the right seat. You, as well as I know that if you're going to grow, you're almost always going to have to hire, right? Even if you're trying to keep a small business where you might only have five or 10 employees, having the right people in the right seat is critical to success. So what I want you to do, if you can, and I think the audience would absolutely love it, is if you could give us some tips or strategy or framework on exactly how you do that, and maybe even talk about some of the most common things that people you see people doing wrong, and you know, maybe we can save people a whole bunch of time on the learning curve. Sure. So I frame the whole premise as you have the herd you deserve. In our metaphoric business thriving around bulls, and so how do we help bulls thrive? I talk about you have the herd you deserve. And so if you are setting low expectations, if you haven't focused on how to do this better, your herd suffers. If you focus on doing it remarkably well, you have an incredibly powerful herd. I use sports team analogies all the time to say, hey, have I set the right vision for my organization? I talk about that compels the right people to come toward you. It also repels the wrong people. So I give examples. I went to the Naval Academy. The mission vision of the U.S. Naval Academy is to prepare midshipmen mentally, morally, and physically to be professional naval officers. For a group of 18 and 19-year-old women, that's incredibly compelling. That's a small group of people that that's compelling for. A larger number is repelled by that and said, hey, I, I want nothing to do with a professional naval officer. What do you mean mentally, morally, physically? And so it's set the magnet, create this vision mission of why we exist in a way that compels people to come toward you. And I challenge organizations all the time that repels the wrong people. So that takes some soul searching. That takes where and how have I set vision of future? And then right behind that, if you use that same example from the Naval Academy, mentally, morally, and physically, it puts in place your core values, which reinforce or amplify that magnet and say, hey, if you're drawn to this mission vision and you act and behave in the way we all act and behave here, talk about it as Sesame Street. If you're one of these is not like the other, organizationally, you should have that conversation before people come on board. So it's create a magnet around vision and values. I then push that really high expectations and that starts in your hiring process. So, you know, it's not fog a mirror. It is 
hey, we are a professional sports team and we're looking for the very best first baseman. And why would the very best first baseman come to your organization? And, you know, that's all relative based on your industry, your geography, your culture. But those things set the premise for this magnet. And I don't want to spend a ton of time there, Dennis, but that value and time spent to create that, if then you feed it with intention and energy, the magnet gets stronger. And what's beautiful about that, over time, that magnet becomes more and more compelling and more and more repelling. And I've just seen it in practice so many times that that effort pays off in spades downstream. I have a company right now, it's in the small middle of nowhere, Indiana, Washington, Indiana, 34 employees, they're doing 60 million in sales, and they've created this, and they're getting talent from all over the U.S. interested in what they're doing, and they're bringing people to Washington, Indiana that you wouldn't think would move to Washington, Indiana, because they're compelled to come be part of this, and they're excited about the growth this little company's having. So here's a question for you that you brought up a really interesting point, right? I live in Buffalo, New York, and one of the biggest challenges I had was getting people that were super talented and that I thought were a good fit for the organization to relocate to Buffalo. And you just made a perfect example of people that are willing to come from other areas of the country and relocate to nowhere, Indiana, right? And so how do they share that first step, the vision, and and how do they share that in such a way that it attracts people? How are they getting the word out there in regards to that? Is it just the traditional you know, recruiters or job boards or what is it they're doing differently to actually get in front of that audience to it so that they can attract them? Well, so first and foremost, the story is tight, meaning they have with intention said, who are we? How do we do this? What is our vision of the future? How do we act and behave? They're in a space that is wrought with kind of confusion and lack of clarity. They're a pharmacy benefit company and they operate what they call a transparent pharmacy benefit management company. So they give full transparency to the end user, both from a company employer perspective and the patient. And they're clear about that. They're clear about how they act and behave. And so they've created a grand swell in the industry. They've also, when they go out and do posting and we've helped them with that. So when they're doing job postings, a lot of organizations put out a job description, Dennis, they say, Hey, here's my job description. We post it online and it's boring. We challenge every organization to take the approach that Shackleton did for his Arctic expedition and say, men wanted return unlikely. And, you know, if you look at that premise and say, does it compel and repel in the job advertisement? We spend a lot of time and energy there saying, not only with our personality assessment tool, who are the right people and what are we trying to bring in in the net? Are we bringing the right people for this organization and for this job? And are we clear and do we talk about it in a way that the right people are compelled and the right people are also repelled? So they've done that remarkably well. They're bringing talent from all over the, the, the states. We've interviewed people as far reaching as California, D.C. They've hired two people outside kind of that geography in a broad sense, one from Arizona, one from Chicago. And, you know, they're coming to literally, you know, I live in a small town in Indiana. This is even smaller. It's equidistance from Indianapolis and Louisville. And if you look at the map of Indiana, there's not much between those two big cities. And they're, you know, they're on a path. They'll finish the year somewhere near 100 million from 60 million. And they're going to continue to have this need for talent. 
and I think are well suited to find it in a really tight market. Perfect. Okay. So you were, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I did want to dive into that because I thought that was a great real life example of how this is working for other companies that are in a high growth phase, right? So what else was there to your system or your methodology? Continue. So it's create those things on the front end and those serve you well in spades just in the day-to-day operation of your company, your culture, all those things. And we're saying particularly with things like millennials, this whole culture thing matters and how we go about it. So that's first and foremost, and then have a robust hiring process that starts with, hey, we actually do, do we have a need analysis? Do we understand whether or not we should be hiring? In this market condition today, I think you need to challenge yourself all the time. Would some other investment aside from hiring someone be warranted? So can automation help us? Are there ways, because I think we're going to see ever increasing demand for talent and less and less talent available. So clearly there's a piece there in that whole needs analysis. And then it becomes an advertisement posted and some process in doing behavioral interviewing. I ascribe the top grading. And before you do any of that, assess people from a personality. So filter all applicants before you touch them. There's cost effective ways to do that to say, hey, much like throwing a net into the ocean looking for shark, I can throw it over and over again and bring back in this search, shark. In the next search, I need trout. In the next search, I need bluegill. And you know that starts to frame things like, well, I'm looking high for high-performing salespeople. I'm looking for great customer service reps. I'm looking for an accountant bookkeeper. Whatever the search is, to be able to bring back an applicant pool that you have high confidence, they have the personality kind of the hard wiring to do the job remarkably well. And there are a bunch of tools out there that help you do that, that are cost effective and incredibly predictive. Use those tools throughout my career. Now have a tool we recommend and use inside our business, but that's a great way to short circuit or kind of shorten the hiring process and have highly qualified people that match the ideal traits of the job come in for interview. And then we train and coach how to do individual group interviewing. How do you stretch the process out? It's not about fogging the mirror, but instead, hey, we're confident they have the work experience, they match our culture, and have the ideal personality traits that match the job, and then go through robust reference checking. We can spend time there if that's warranted, Dennis. And then you bring them on board and have a quality onboarding that makes them successful. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a really strong framework. So one of the things that like jumped out of the back of my mind here that is always in the back of my mind when I hire it, and I don't know who I heard it from. You might know who this quote came from, but the best actor gets the job. You talked about your top, <laughs> top grading interview process. You talked about, you know, how to really lengthen out the interview process. It's not the, you know, it's not about fogging a mirror. Could you take a minute and just kind of talk about that a little bit, the difference between the right way to interview to really understand that you're putting the right person in the right seat versus that fogging a mirror or best actor gets the job scenario? Yeah. So I don't know who had that quote, but clearly we're all driven to who do I like best that hiring typically falls down to some sort of subjective measure, a conversation around the table. And it all starts with who did we like best? That's a dangerous way to hire. Instead, it should be we have an objective process. And it starts with, are we bringing the right personality in for this job? Meaning, if this job requires 
anal retentive attention to detail that everyone we bring in has that personality trait. And that instead of asking about it, we have a tool that measures and says, no, this person is, and it's incredibly predictive of behavior. So it starts with that, that we're bringing the right people in for the interview. Once you get in the interview, I'm a top grading fan. If you read either of the gentleman, smart father or smart son with who or top grading, this whole thread of reference check, how do I do a work history interview? And I talk about it. I just ask the simple questions of who'd you work for? What would they say they liked most about you, least about you? And then say, hey, if this moves forward, I'm going to want to talk to Dennis, who was the boss you just referenced. And after the first of that work history, second, third, fourth, and you're going through work history and saying, hey, what would this person say positive, negative? What did you like or dislike about this person and working for him? And then anything that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up, you dive deeper into. You get this whole, hey, this person's going to do it. I take the added step of at the end of this, I turn to the candidate. And if it were you, Dennis, I would say, hey, we've talked about five or six people that you've worked for. I want to talk to these three people before we move forward. And I want you to schedule those calls, meaning I don't need a reference sheet with numbers that you have and say, these are your best friends. But in the process of interviewing, I have three bosses that I want to talk to. And Dennis, I'm going to ask you to reach out and call them and put them on my calendar. In this litigious world, you still get, hey, I only can confirm employment. I talk about it as playing the entrepreneurial card. And if it were you and I again on the phone and I'm calling for a reference for one of your past employees, I would say, Dennis, well, I hope you understand that as a struggling entrepreneur, I can't afford to make a mistake. And that I know we've talked about Betty here for the last hour, or I've tried to get information. Sorry, I'm trying to get you to talk to me about Betty and you only can confirm employment. If she were available and you were hiring for a role similar to what I've told you I'm hiring for, would you hire her again? And if Betty's taking the time to call you, if I give you that struggling entrepreneur card and you can't give me the, hey, I would absolutely hire her, then there's potentially an issue that you should be wary of. So that's a, a short-circuited kind of interviewing process. I'm happy to go into any more detail or clearly anyone can reach out and I'm happy to spend as much time as they'd like around that process and how we walk people through that. I really love that strategy where you put it back on them to set up the interview because it it has so many different layers to it, right? Number Absolutely. one, you know, I mean, there's so many, there's so many little tests inside that little, you know, thing that you're giving them to do that is going to tell a lot of different things. I think that that's a great tell. I love that. And then that strategy for telling your story to the references that you can't get anything other than verify employment. I think that's awesome. Those are two really nice little strategies that I think anybody could deploy in their hiring process and would definitely make it more effective. So perfect. Well, listen, we're going to move forward here. I have another question and then we're going to kind of wrap it up. But you as an entrepreneur over the last decade that you've really, really dove in here as an entrepreneur on your own, what's the biggest challenge that you've faced in growing your business? I think it's the personnel challenge all the time. It's the war on talent. I think that's getting even harder, but that's been it traditionally. I mean, how do you find superstars that make your life so much easier? I mean, we've all had those instances in our career where you go, man, my team is awesome. And when your team is awesome, and I talk about it, when your herd is powerful, then we have the protection and power of the herd that help us do remarkable things. I think if you look at any great organization, you're going to find incredibly 
powerful teams that get stuff done, that have really high expectations, that have clarity around where they're going, that understand how everyone acts and behaves. And then my fourth and all whole thing is that engage in meaningful ways, both internally and externally. So this whole challenge with talent has been one, you know, I've been obsessed with for the last 25 years. And I've had times in my career where I've had unbelievable teams. And I've had times where, you know, I look and say, hey, I've either inherited a team or I've done a poor job in hiring. And I've been on all sides of that, Dennis. And it's, I frame all the time for leaders. You have the herd you deserve. So you got to take action if it's not what you want it to be. And the beautiful thing about that is it's an easy thing to embark upon, meaning, hey, I know I need to be better and start being better. Yeah. And I agree with you, David. That's one of the primary reasons why I wanted to have you on here, because I believe that talent is one of those X factors when it comes to obviously growing a successful business and finding and recruiting and landing that talent, onboarding that talent is ever challenging. And so for any of you that are listening now, if you're serious about growing your business, the framework that David just gave you is a decade's worth of mistakes <laughs> and doing Absolutely. it the wrong way. And even more than that, because as a part of Vistage, you know, he's learned from other people that have made mistakes. So there's a great component to that coaching piece. So I really appreciate you sharing that. So the last two questions we're going to do rapid fire. What's your favorite growth tool or software if you had to pick one? So right now, I mean, if you look at kind of what I'm doing to manage the growth of my own business, it's just a simple CRM tool that keeps me organized. And we use Zoho for our business. So that just keeps an order and process around growth. That's a, a simple, easy answer, but it, it's, you know. Perfect. No, I love, I love of, of, in, the, in the absence of a, a spreadsheet that helps us manage who are we trying to target and are we having success with those targets? Yeah, believe it or not, there's still businesses out there that are trying to grow that don't have a CRM. So I think that's a very valuable tool. And what's one book that you read recently that you think would be valuable to my audience? So I, I referenced one, Who. So if you're looking to how you hire more effectively, that's the book I would recommend. Recently, it's the last, I think, two or three years, Lencioni book, The Advantage is still, if I look back at the books I've read in the last three or four years, right at the top of the list, it says, hey, our culture is our advantage. Perfect. Well, listen, David, I really appreciate you being on here today. You over-delivered. I, I had no surprise at that based on your background. Before we close out, let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about what you do, and we'll wrap it up for today. So anything Helping Bulls, our website, helpingbulls.com slash growth experts. We have a bunch of free tools out there, including, hey, I want 30 minutes of our time. I want executive coaching and a window into culture index personality assessment. There's a no cost, hey, I want my own personality assessment done, or I'd like to do my entire team. We'll set up a demo that costs you nothing. Worst case, you get remarkably powerful information about you and your team and how you can start to harness the power of your herd. I love that, guys. You should absolutely, if you've never done an assessment like that or you haven't done it recently, you should absolutely take David up on that offer. It's very revealing and you know, knowing is half the battle, right? So if even if it's on yourself and not one of your, you know, your new hires, do it for yourself and I think you'll see the value. So hey, thanks for being with us today and we'll chat again soon. Thanks, Dennis. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. 
Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.